You're listening to audio from the Village Church, a community that's formed by the gospel and sent on God's mission, gathering weekly in the heart of downtown Hamilton, Ohio. For more information about the village or to connect with us, you can find us online at myvillagechurch.com. Today's focal passage is found in Acts 2, 42 through 47. Um, You can feel free to follow along on the screens or open up your Bible. If anyone does need a Bible, you can find some back by the red tree or the connect desk back there, so feel free to grab one. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all in the temple together and breaking bread in their homes. They received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. This is the word of the Lord. You can now have a seat and the kids can be dismissed to their class. Good morning. It's wonderful to have you with us today. My name is Matt, one of the pastors here, and jumping into a new sermon series today. But before we do, I'm going to pray for us, and then we will do that. God, thanks for your word. Thanks for this vocal passage today. Thanks for this church. And God, I pray that as we highlight how valuable your word, the Bible, is to us in this church, God, I pray that, um, that it would be meaningful to me, that it would be meaningful to us, that, that we would see you through it, that it would be not just information that you're trying to give to us, but that we would see behind these words a God who pursues us, a God who is all-powerful and loving and gracious and kind and just, and who wants to be made known through his word. So God, let us today enjoy your word. Give us, um, as a result of this time, a greater desire to know you through it. And we pray this in your name. Amen. A pastor was um, describing to his church the brevity of life and trying to communicate it through words. And so he says something like this. He says, "Um, to God, all of us are but dust. And so a child in a a crowd turns to his his parent and says, God thinks we're but dust? And and so maybe maybe you've tried to communicate something before, and in your head it sounded really good, and all of a sudden it just landed a little differently than, than what we would have hoped. But, but we all know that words matter. How we say things matters, what we listen to matters, and the words that come out of our mouths can either grow and build into relationship or it can, it can tear it down. It, it can help make a contract happen in work, in the work environment, or it can shut it down. It can help someone in life with good um, information that, that they can build on or it can really hurt them as well. Um, back in about 2009 or 2010, I drove for... Um, the company I was employed with before this called Millennium Metals. I was on the road a lot, and, and back then, I don't do this anymore, but back then I used to listen to a lot of talk radio. Glenn Beck was on from like 9 to 12, and every day I would listen to him, I literally felt like the world was just going to fall apart and implode. And I don't know if you've listened to anybody like that, where you're like, you know, this, this virus, or this is what this means, or the end times, and, and every time I listen to him, like literally it's just like I had this like gut-wrenching feeling that I needed to like race home sell everything I had, buy land in the country with a fresh water source, and invest in gold. 
And it was just like, that's like my life right there. Um, thankfully, I didn't do that. But, but we all um, are bombarded, bombarded by words all the time, from the radio to podcasts to, to messages on the stage. In our focal passage today, we're going to look at the early church to see um, how they live their life in light of God's words to them. But before we jump into that, if you are new or if you haven't been with us for a couple weeks, we just finished up a, a really big sermon series in Exodus. Um, the first part of 2020, we hit on the first part of Exodus, and the second part, of, or first part of this year, we ended it up, and it went really well, and I hope you got to enjoy that, and it's on the live stream if you want to view that. Today, as Scott said, we are starting a new sermon series called Life Together, Marks of Gospel Community. And the purpose of going through this series is to understand what makes us a gospel-formed community. Um, we try to be that. We want to be that. But, but how do we know if we actually are that? And how do we know what to like emphasize or build on? And that's why we're going through this series today. In Acts 2, we get a picture of what made the early church a gospel-formed community church. And, and my wife just read it for us. But they built their lives on being under the word, being around the table, living life together. They were dependent on God. They were thankful for all that God had given to them. And they lived life among their neighbors. And so they, they sold everything they had, and all who were with them and had need, it, it was, they were helped. And today we're going to look at what it means for the village church, for us today to be built on God's word. And for us, a couple ways that we really need this today, because if we don't understand why we need this, we might not care about it as much. So first, this is one of the tensions, one of the reasons why we need this message today, is because some of us might have too low a view of scripture. Um, we might say, you know, this is really important. If we were to ask any of us, or even just go on the street, probably most people would say, God's word, yeah, it's important. It's, it's valuable. But then if we were to, to say, well, well, how have you dove into it or, or built your life on it this week or this month, it might tell just a little bit of a different story. It's all too easy to reduce scripture to mere information and to view it as good, but not something necessary to build our lives upon. And so we need God's word today. We're going to emphasize the important word about us and not about God. It's easy to have a, a really tough week and to say, man, I just need to get into God's word this week because I need something. And, and God's word does give us what we need to, to go through. It, it provides us with encouragement and strength. But if our primary objective is to like benefit ourselves or we read ourselves in the scripture or it's only to help us or we read it to, to feel better about ourselves or to think that God um, views us better, because of our time in the Word, then that's not healthy as well. So there's multiple ways we miss. So all of, this, all of this leads us to this question, what does it mean for us today to be devoted to God's Word, just like the earlier church was? So please consider this question throughout our time together. And the main idea, um, I think it will be on the screen in just a second, is devoting ourselves to God's Word empowers us to live our lives for the flourishing of the church. Devoting ourselves to God's word empowers us to live our lives for the flourishing of the church. And before we get into um, the message part of it, I just want to set up the early church. Maybe you're new here today, maybe you've been around for a long time, but you're like, how do we get to the early church? What is that? And so um, you might be familiar with the life of Christ. I don't know, but Jesus came to this earth. He lived a perfect life. He died in our place for our sins. He was buried and rose again. The passage talks about the ascension of Jesus. Right after Acts 1, um, right before Jesus ascends, he tells the church, or what's there at that time, about 120 people, to, to wait for the Holy Spirit to come. So they go back to Jerusalem, they pray, they wait, and then the Holy Spirit comes on them in Acts 2, verse 4. It says, they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And then right after that, Peter like, blasts this message at Pentecost. Um, 
3,000 people as a result of Peter's message and God working through him come to know Christ, and it says they're added to the church. So right before our focal passage today, the church is very new. Jesus has just gone back to heaven, and the church is sitting at about 3,125 people, and they're trying to figure out what it looks like for them to be gospel, a gospel-formed community. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. That's what Acts 2, 42-47 says. That's the first part of it, and this is important. Um, out of all the things they could have done, this is what's listed first in that list. Acts 2 says, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. And, and I think that's important. It's not an accident that that is first on the list. To help us understand why they valued God's word so much, we're going to look at also 2 Timothy, um, 2 Timothy 3 to help us out. So Acts 2 is our focal passage for like this series. We're going to, every, every week we do this sermon series, we're going to read from Acts 2, that section that, that Tammy read. But also to help us in this message, we're going to build out um, scripture from 2 Timothy 3, 16 through 17. And that's where we're going to anchor most of our time today. So if you want to turn to 2 Timothy 3, 16, 17, that would be great. And I will read it for us right now. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be competent, equipped for every good work. I have three points from this text from 2 Timothy um, 3 that I want us to know today. And the first point is this, God's word. One is God's word reveals the one true God. 1 Timothy 3 16 starts with this, all scripture is breathed out by God. I'm just going to break that down. All scripture, that's, that's this book, the Bible. We believe that everything in this book is God's word to us. 66 smaller books, 40 different authors, 31,102 verses. All scripture means that nothing is to be excluded or ignored. It's all from God. All, everything in here is what he wants us to know about himself. Moving on, all scripture is breathed out. And breathed out in this is, is, is more special, or specialer, whatever the word is, than just God like exhaling as he speaks. It's not like, do this thing, or this is who I am. Out in the Greek is like a cool Greek word that I'm going to mess up. It's like theopanousis. And what people think is that it's actually one word made up from two words that Paul put together. Um, God breathed. And simply put, we believe that each word in the Bible is significant and intentional, originating from the heart of God. That word that Paul puts there tries to help us to see it's not just like God speaking, but it's like from his innermost parts breathed out for us. And the third part of that is all scripture is breathed out by God. And this is the part I want us to focus on in this first part of 2 Timothy 3. This is where I want us to, to think through. Paul tells Timothy God's word is important because it's from God. If, if you were to, to hear from like a two-year-old that the, the weather is bad outside. Like, all right, cool. Maybe you like hug him and yeah, you'll, we'll be fine. If all of a sudden the National Weather Service says, hey, there's a tornado warning and you hear a siren outside, you're going to take that um, a lot more seriously, right? You might, you might like go down to the basement. You might make sure everyone's inside and you, you, there might even cause a little bit of fear in you because they have validity. In the same way, um, the Bible is God's word. It has um, authority and has weight because it comes from the most powerful being ever to live in this world. Every passage of the Bible gives insight ever to exist, and that's why God's word carries so much weight. That's why we value it so much. This is why the early church devoted themselves to God's word as well. They read, studied, and built their lives on the scriptures that told them about their God. That's what their faith is built on. 
the original 120 followers who, who were Christians for a while, um, valued God's word because it, it revealed to them their God who they saw. And the 3,000 people that came to know Christ like a week before this passage, that's all they had to know about God. That's what they looked to. The Bible is what they had to reveal to them who the God is they just placed their faith in. So what does this mean for us? Church, knowing God is everything. And I know that you hear that. I know that in our heads we know this. But I, I pray that we believe that. Knowing God is everything. Paul, the writer of our 2 Timothy passage, says this in Philippians 3, 8 and 10. And I just want you to hear his heart as he, as, he, as he says this. Indeed, this is Paul talking in Philippians 3, 8 through 10. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection, that I may share in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. Isn't that beautiful? Gosh, if we had Paul's heart for God's word and to know God, that would drive us into his word and it would drive us to value God's word and to, to, to build our lives on it as if it is so necessary. What if we wanted to know God like that? God's word is the primary source that declares truth about God to us. We have to devote ourselves to God's word, to um, general revelation, which is outside of the Bible. It's, it's like nature and what we can learn about God from other things. But that's not going to be enough. We can, we can take, um, nothing can take the place of devoting ourselves to God's word and to knowing God. Nothing else gives us the insight like the Bible does. Can you imagine how danger it would, dangerous it would be if we took all that we knew about God and, and um, outside of Scripture and just, just built out our view of God from other things, from culture, from, from a book we read. It can be helpful, and those things can be tools, but if we only build out our view of God and our knowledge of Him from those things, then that is incredibly dangerous. Creation or general revelation can point us to God, but can only take us so far. What you believe about God, right or wrong, shapes how you live, and that's why point number one is so important to us. Um, knowing God is, is the most important thing because we build out our lives based on this. If you think that God is a vengeful God, if you perceive that from, from nature or from a friend, then you will probably be vengeful towards others or that will be a bigger part of your life. If you think that God is only love, then, then you will highlight that to the utmost, maybe in an unhealthy way. Or if you think that God perceives you or me in a certain way, then that will affect how we then perceive ourselves and others. This is why we have to devote ourselves to the truth of God's word and to, to, to know who he is from those pages of scripture. How else will we know God or how else will we have a relationship with him apart from this book? This is why we primarily teach from this book. Um, we just went through um, Exodus and we go through books of the Bible. And right now we're taking just a small break, break from that. But our desire in going through books of the Bible consistently is that we would teach what God wants us to know about him and that we would teach what God says other than just what we think is important. So as, as application, what has primarily shaped your view of God? What has primarily shaped your view of God? We're all being impressed upon as being shaped by all sorts of things. And what is that primary thing? Or what are those primary things? Is it a, a family member? 
Is it your dad saying, this is, this is, this is what God's word is, or, or a friend saying this? And again, those things can be helpful, but if that's the primary thing, then we have to be careful with that. Is what you believe um, to be true about God anchored in God's word? What you believe to be true about God informs how you engage in culture and social issues and how the, and it informs the church of how our role should be in these things. And so I pray that our desire is to know God from this book and then to live out of that. The second application question is this. What do you hope to get out of reading God's word? When, when we spend time in God's word, what is your objective? What do you hope to get? Is it just encouragement? Is it, is it to get you through the day? Is it to have a better day? Is it to get your accountability partner off your back? What are, what are the things that motivate you to God's word? And what are the things that, that, why are you reading it? My desire is that we, like Paul, would have a greater hunger and love to know the God that gave himself for us from his word. And that we devote ourselves to reading the scriptures so that we might know God. God's word reveals the one true God. That's point number one. Not only does God's word reveal who God is, but it also matures us spiritually. That's point number two. God's word um, transforms our hearts. So we're going to go to 2 Timothy 3, the next part of this. This is the second part of verse 16. So I'm going to read all of it, but we're emphasizing the second part. All scripture is breathed out by God. And here we go. And it's profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. Again, this is Paul talking to Timothy in 2 Timothy. Timothy is a pastor kind of in training. He's taken over this church that Paul started, and Paul is with him still, and Paul is going to move on soon, and Paul is imparting to Timothy these truths about God's word. And Paul says this, all scripture is profitable for a pre Timothy, you know, check out God's word from time to time, right? Or, or, hey, make sure that we at least slide that into our messages. But no, Paul says it's valuable, it's important, it's profitable for all of life. First, God's word is profitable. So what does that mean? Is it like, is going to make us money? No, what, what Paul means there is it's profitable for teaching. That means this is like our doctrine. This is where we understand basic like pillars of our faith. And so doctrine is um, a set of declared tr- from, from doctrine um, from this book. That's, that's where we get our doctrine from. From doctrine, we understand who God is, who we are, and what the church is. And so literally, um, doctrine is the foundation for what our faith is built on. Second from this is God's word is profitable for reproof and for correction. And so we know that as we learn about God, from point number one, as we know who God is, we understand that we don't live exactly like God does. And so that's where reproof slides in. And for Timothy, as a pastor in training, he was probably reproved by Paul. And, Paul, and also he had a, a ministry ahead of him where he did get to, to talk to people and say, hey, what you're doing, if not right, that, that's, that's sin, that's, that's um, living apart from God's word. And so reproof is important there. God's word is profitable for that. But God doesn't leave us in reproof. He said it's profitable, profitable for correction as well. And that's good news to us. God's word doesn't leave us in reproof. It also corrects and leads us into obedience. And Timothy needed to hear this for himself. And he also needed to hear this as he shaped and pastored and loved the church he was going to lead. And third, in this section, Paul tells Timothy that God's word is profitable for training in righteousness. And this is our conduct as a Christian. This is for believers here today. If you call yourself a child of God, we get to live out this life doing our best with God's help to obey God. And our conduct is shaped by who God is and by reading his word. And, God's, and t- Paul says that, that God, all of God's word is profitable for training in righteousness, to help us to know how to live this life. 
in all of this, both them and the church, they were pastoring. And so this is kind of point one under point two. It's kind of, or A under point two would be is God's word is infused with God's power. A under, under point number two, God's word is infused with God's power. God's word cannot be stopped. It can't be snuffed out or destroyed. It has no limits to what it can accomplish. And that's a blessing, right? God's word is consistent. It's going to be there for all time. It's powerful because it's backed by God himself. Matthew 24, 35 says this, Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. And we see this power playing out in two main ways from the Second Timothy passage today. First, we're seeing it playing out like this. God's word saves souls. And again, all this might sound so like, well, I've heard this before. Why does this matter? Or, or it might sound just so regular. But, but when we think about it, God's word has the power to bring a person who does not know anything about God to awaken them inside, to know who God is, and to place their faith in him to come to new life and be rescued from their sin. And that's amazing. God's word has the power to bring spiritually dead people to life. My words today don't have any power. You, you could leave here today and be like, wah, 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 you know, whatever Matt said, great, and go to lunch. But, but what I want you to know is all my words, I pray, come from this book, and this is what I want you to hear today. This is from God, that God's words have power to save. As we teach from God's word, people will hear about the one true God and be drawn to him. Isaiah 55, 11 says this, So shall my word go out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish all that which I purpose, and shall succeed in the thing which I sent it. So again, today, I, I will do my best to preach a message on God's word and to, to excite us to know what God says and to know God. At the end of the day, God's going to do his work. God's word is going to go out, and it's going to do something that I don't even know is possible in my heart and your heart, and that's my hope today as, as someone that we might not say everything clearly. Like that pastor at the beginning of the message, he had good intent to, to, to build out like the brevity of life, at the end of the day, God's going to do what he wants to do through his word, and that's amazing. That's amazing. Church, God is going to save people. We are responsible to know God's word and to be able to handle it wisely, to be confident that God does the work, and his word is powerful, and he will use it to save people. One might think that our problem is knowing the right verses, but I think a greater problem is not just knowing the verses, them to do his work. When, when we share scripture with somebody, if, if we do that, and it's, for me, I'm being honest, it's almost like, I hope this doesn't offend them, or, man, I hope I'm saying it rightly, or is this the right time to do it? And, and those are all things to think through for sure. But do we believe that when we say scripture to someone that, that God has infused those words with power, that they reveal the one true God, and that we get to trust, that as we, as we lovingly share scripture with somebody, that, that God can do mind-blowing things in that? Do we think that? My prayer is that we understand the power of God's word through his word and that the village is able to see many come to know Christ because of proclaiming scripture both in-house and, and outside the village walls. The second thing, like point B under, under point number two is this. God's word sanctifies us. God's word has the power to mature our hearts and minds spiritually. And this is where many of us are today. You might be with us, and you might not know Christ. And man, we would love to talk about that after the gathering. And we hope that you've come to faith today as a result of this and God's word. But more, many of us are here today have placed our faith in Christ. And we are in the process of living out this life with our knowledge of God, doing the best we can with his help to look more like him. And that's sanctification. As we spend more time in God's word, we gain a greater awareness of our sin, 
a greater um, understanding of the cross, and that changes us over time with God's spirit and with God's word to look more like him. My heart that I might not sin against you. God views his word as the way for us to be equipped to, to memorize who God is, to, to think about God's word, and to use it as a tool to then be sanctified, to, to, to fight against sin. And God's word has the power not just to help us avoid doing wrong, but equips us to, do, to want to do what is right. And that's, that's more important. Um, I used this as a witnessing tool a while back. It was kind of one of my like, proofs for, for salvation. There was a guy that I worked with at Millennium. His name was Larry. And he didn't believe in God at all. Um, like, I had conversations, and he was kind, and he wasn't, like, you know, against that. But he just, I don't believe there's a God. And so he asked me one day, why do you believe there's a God? And I said, well, man, I, I knew that we could say Scripture, and, and I, I've shared Scripture with him. But at, at this specific moment, I wanted to give him something else as well. And I said, you know why I, I, I believe more today that there's a God than ever? It's because God has changed me. I'm not like the person I was five years ago. I'm not like the person I was 10 years ago. And I was just really honest with him. I said, 10 years ago, I had, I had different desires. I, I viewed like, life differently. I viewed money differently, or maybe I viewed women differently, or, or I was maybe more of an angry person. And I said, I promise you, um, God at work through his word and, and through my life has changed me to where I'm not perfect today. I still struggle with some of those things, but my struggles in those things are less than they were. And I said, that just wouldn't happen apart from God at work in me. And so we got to have a good conversation about that, but that's what I want us to know today as well, that as we look at God's word, as we read it over time, it has the power to change us. And we might not see it day to day, but I guarantee you, as you love it, as you pray through God's word, as you read it, that will shape your desires. It has the power to change how we think about all things, and that's what our hope is in from this. God's word is powerfully at work through his word, and he is using it to sanctify us. So how is God's word transforming you today? I might ask it a different way. Is it transforming you today? Is there something that you continue to struggle with that seems impossible to overcome? And I don't know what comes to your mind. Maybe, maybe it's something different for everyone in this room. But does it feel like you're stuck with something? Maybe it's a sin or maybe it's a way of living that, that you're, you're disgusted by or, or maybe it's a way of thinking that you just can't seem to unlock or get out of. I would encourage you to pray that God changes you through his word. And even right now in your seats, you're welcome to pray to God, and he has the power to change how you think about things. I pray this prayer multiple times a week, and, and it goes something, it's just simple like this. God, forgive me of the wrong ways I think about whatever it is, and please place in my heart the right desires that come from your word. What if we prayed that on a regular basis? And I'm not lifting up myself because I'm not perfect and I need this more than anyone else here. But what if we prayed, God, forgive me of the, the way I think. Forgive me of the way I maybe value something else outside of God's word more. And what if I said, God, place in me, place in my heart uh, the right desires, the desires to do what is right, to see people as you see them, to see your word as you see it. I would encourage you to pray that even now in your, in your seats. There's hope for overcoming whatever struggle has come to your mind. Hebrews 4.12 says this, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. That's what God's word does and can do, and that's what I pray it does for us, that it dives deep, it cuts us where we need to be cut, and the beauty is it also corrects us like we talked about earlier, and it mends us back up the way God wants us to be. 
So ask God to give you a love for his word and, and pray that it changes you to be more like him. God's word transforms the heart. And point number three is this. God's word equips us for ministry. God's word equips us for ministry. I'm going to read 2 Timothy 3, 17, and it says this. This is the end of this um, chapter. That the man of God may be competent, equipped for every good work. That the man of God may be competent, equipped for every good work. Obviously, this verse applies to all of us, but again, Paul is talking to Timothy. So he says that, that you, Timothy, would be competent, um, ready for every good work that God has. So Paul tells Timothy the result of anchoring his life in God's word. He says this is why all of this other stuff matters. And so that Timothy might be competent and equipped for the work that God has for him to do, for pastoring the church where he's at. And what is cool is that God's word equips Timothy in, in two very important ways. And so I'm going to read this, and it's two different things. God's words equip Timothy to make him what he needs to be. And God's word is what Timothy is, is equipped with to give, um, to, give to people that, he, that he's ministering to. I just botched that horrible, so I'm going to read it one more time. God's word equips Timothy to make him what he needs to be. And God's word is what Timothy is equipped with to give to people he cares for. Paul was confident that God's word would equip Timothy to be competent. And that's, that matters, right? God calls us not to be perfect. I mean, he wants us to be perfect, but in this lifetime, we're never going to fully get there. But he does call us to be competent. And what that means is we get to know God's word. We get to study. We get to memorize. We get to understand how to use this as a tool in our own lives, in our church, and, and in the world around us. How? For all the reasons we just talked about. So that we get to know God. We get to know God in order to be more competent in handling this book. And we get to see the power of God work through this book so that way we might be able to tell others about that. And because Timothy was a pastor, this was incredibly important for him as well. Timothy had to grow in competency if he was going to teach and reprove and, and instruct in, in the, the right ways to live. Timothy was a pastor of our church and his main responsibility was to do these things, to preach the word and to care for people they were not just, just anybody, but it's the church that God died for. And so God, his heart is to want Timothy to competently care for that church. And that's our desire. And I hope that's your desire as well, is maybe you're not pastoring, but, but all of us have this opportunity to talk about God. All of, us, all of us have this opportunity to reflect him, whether at work or if you go to a playground, if you go shopping, we get to reflect him and by God's grace, competently do that. Paul was also confident that God's word is what Timothy was best equipped with for ministry. So God's word is what Timothy needed to be equipped, and God's word is what Timothy was equipped with for the ministry ahead. In his own strength, Timothy wasn't able to give the church what it needed to flourish. But being equipped with God's word, that was what he needed. That was his greatest asset um, at that time. That was what changed his heart, and that's what will be most effective in Timothy's ministry, and, and Paul was encouraging him to, to rely on that. God's word best equips the early church as well. Um, when Jesus left, he's like, hey, um, so take this word and, and tell others about me in Jerusalem, in, in um, I was going to say Jamaica, um, in <laughs> Samaria, to the rest of the world. Jamaica as well, it's in there. He didn't, he didn't say that. Um, I have to be careful with God's word. It's not butt dust. Anyways, to the rest of the world. And, and that probably felt incredibly overwhelming. Whew, just lost wherever I was and all that. But um, but yes, to the ends of the world, and, and God's word is what Timothy was equipped with to do that. Um, yeah, by devoting, I'm just going to go on to here. Um, we're good. I just <laughs> thanks for your patience with me. 
Um, the early church, because of God's word, there we go, I'm back on, we're good, um, committed themselves to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers, as Acts 2 said. And all who believed were together and all had all things in common. And, and we read this list, and I won't read it all, but, but God's word is what equipped them to be able to live like God wanted them to live. They lived competently as a result of anchoring um, their mindset in God's word and anchoring their hope in God's word. So this is what I want us to know from point number three. God's word equips us to be competent children of God, and God's word is what we are equipped with for the ministry ahead. It's basically just what we talked about with Timothy and what, was what Paul wanted Timothy to know is those two things. 2 Corinthians 3, 10, 3, and 4 says this. For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. If we try to live in our own strength, or if we try to live apart from God's word, um, if, we, if we just don't value it like we should, or if we don't um, use it as a tool to help us, we're, we're totally unprepared and unequipped for the work around us to live this life. We are in a spiritual battle, whether we realize it or not. The work that, that goes on, what God wants us to do, can only be done in his power. And if we go through life just kind of like thinking that we're good, thinking that we can take care of things, thinking that, thinking that we know how to think about things, we're, we're going to fall flat on our faces. So how do we get equipped? There's a practical component to this, and there's a spiritual component to, to allowing us to be equipped. Practically, we get to spend time in God's Word, right? And I know that sounds like, well, of course we get to do that, but, but what's going to make us want to do that? Well, let's, let's talk about the practical again. Let's, let's put it on our calendars. Let's be intentional. I know that all of us know in our heads that planning is good, but what if we actually planned our night around that? What if we said, hey, when I get home, or when we all get home, or, or whatever it looks like at 6, we're going to eat supper together, and then from 7 to 7.15, or 7 to 7.30, we're going to sit down, and we're going to talk about this verse. What if, it's in, if, what if you're, you're single here, and you're in the morning, and you say, hey, I'm going to get up at 6.30, and from 6.30 to 6.45, five days a week, this is what I'm going to do. And I, I, this is not legalism. This is not diminishing the power of God's word and God's word to just a task. But we, we are um, trying to be intentional with every part of our life. If we're going to be successful at our work, if we're going to be successful with raising our kids, if we're going to invest the right way financially, it takes planning, it takes intentionality, and it takes time. And one of the ways to best do that with God's word is to plan God's word into our lives. Um, our family doesn't do this perfectly. But just a couple of ways, and I, I share this only to say maybe this is helpful, is that two or three times a week um, after supper or after a meal normally, we try to do this. Um, two Saturdays ago, we had breakfast in the morning. Um, it was around 9, 30, 30 to 10, and then we just took a break, and all of us were in different things, but um, we all read the bio, like some, some tools for themselves, some curriculum that they, we purchased online and found to be really helpful, and so they did their own thing on the couch. Tammy was at the table reading stuff from her, and I was reading through some stuff in John. And it was just a really um, freeing, fun time for us. And I say this not because we do this perfectly, but it was like intentional. It was like, hey, after breakfast on Saturday, we're going to spend half an hour, and we're just going to do this. And, and we invite our kids into that, and, and we're growing in other ways of doing that as well. A lot of times on my day off is Friday from, from here, and so a lot of times on Friday, Tammy and I will read the focal passage, and we'll talk about it in our Bible time together. We try to do other things like that, but what works for you? Um, it's not going to happen on its own. And again, please know this is not just like 
you know, do it six times a week or God hates you. It's not that at all. It's, it's I encourage you to think about how to insert this into your life in a way that is life-giving and helpful and intentional. Um, Psalms 34, 8 says this, taste and see that the Lord is good. If you go to a restaurant, and maybe some of you are like me, you, you want to like know that your money is well spent, and so I go to a restaurant and I normally order the same thing all the time, because I'm like, well, if I tried something else and it sucked, then that's like going to be a waste of my money, right? And so maybe, maybe you're like that person that just like tries everything on the menu and it's great and it works out, but a lot of times you try something and you're like, that wasn't as good. But what Paul says here, or, or, or what the Psalms say, is taste and see that the Lord is good. If we never get into God's word, how are we going to taste and see? Think of it like the best meal you've ever had. And if we pictured God's word like that, chicken, or if you're a vegetarian, maybe it's lettuce leaves. I don't know what that is, but maybe... <laughs> What are those things that you enjoy and you're like, oh, it's so good. And, and I pray that God gives us a desire to, to enjoy him like that meal. And if we never do it, how are we going to taste and see that he is good? So we talked about some practical stuff. The spiritual side of it is this. Um, as for the spiritual side, um, we get to be equipped with God's word through prayer. Um, we get to pray that God gives us a desire. And it's like I mentioned earlier. God can do a work in us. God can do whatever he wants. He could zap in our hearts and our minds a desire right now to say, God's word is the thing that I will always love and always cherish and always value to the highest. And, and we get to pray and believe that he can do that. He might not do it right now all the way up to 100, but he wants to do that. that he said he will do that. That's what God's will is for us to know him. I was with some guys. Oh, yeah, I was with some guys at man camp. Mike was there and a couple other guys from here. And this was my biggest prayer at man camp. We shared around a fire at night, and we got to get away from everything. We had no cell phones for like two days. Um, my biggest prayer for them and them praying for me was that I would have a desire to, to love God. Um, I enjoy a bunch of things. I enjoy, you know, fantasy football, and I enjoy podcasts on fantasy football and cryptocurrency and all these things. But my desire, even like I love just trimming in the yard, and we spent three hours yesterday chopping down some trees and stuff like that, and it's so fun. But my desire with these guys is to say, I want to make sure that, that my desire for God is the highest thing. I want to know that over everything else in my life, that is, God is what I want. And so that was their prayer for me. That's my prayer for myself on a daily basis is that, that I would love God's word more than I would look to anything else to satisfy me. And so my question for you is this. It's like, what do you look to satisfy you? When, when things are difficult or, or just in a normal day, what is the things that you run towards, that, that you long for? Is it, is it a meal? Because those are great. Is it um, an activity or a hobby? And again, all these things are amazing, but I pray that God gives us this desire above all those things for his word to see this as the most valuable thing. We are equipped with God's word because it's what our world needs. We aren't able to save people. We can't change hearts or force people to think differently about God's word. But God's word can and should give us hope for the ministry that he has for us. Knowing that we are equipped with something that can change hearts frees us to not have to say all the right things or craft the right arguments. I know that we care about timing. We intentionally talk about building relationships and bringing people in our houses and forming these relationships so that hopefully by, by you know, sometime other people around us will, will, will have a foothold to be able to say, this is who God is to us. But what God's word does is as we, as, we, um, as we know God's word, it frees us to be able to say, you know what? God's word is going to do what it's going to do. We simply get to share who God is through his word and let God do what he wants with that time. And so application for point number three is this. Do you believe God's word best equips us to be competent believers? 
We believe God's word is best, uh, what best equips us to be competent believers. And does your life reflect that? Do you believe that God's word is what we are best equipped with to reach our world? When, when we share our faith, is God's word a part of that? When we, when we go to the restaurant, are we, you know, maybe a scripture coming to mind that we might be able to give out? And this is not to be a Bible beater. This is not to pound God's word into someone or to, to be that person. But, but hopefully this is on our radar of being able to share God's word. Do you feel capable to study God's word on your own? We've been talking about being competent. We've been talking about hiding God's word in our heart. We've been talking about practical ways to get into God's word. But, but do you feel competent to study God's word? If you do, then that's wonderful, and we hope that you're in God's word. And if not, our church has tons of opportunities for you to learn how to do that. I know Rooted is one of those ways that, that does that. Um, the Doug and Pat, I just saw them right over there, are doing a Psalms series um, soon where it's going through some Psalms and all talking about what that is and how to study God's word. Community group does that a lot for us. And so we encourage you, if, if you're saying, man, I don't know how to study God's word for myself, Please talk to someone here today. Please jump into one of these opportunities. And again, I'd love to talk to you after the gathering if, if you would like to know more about that as well. My encouragement as we leave, point number three, is taste and see who God is. Taste and see his word is good and intentionally spend time in God's word. God's word equips us for the ministry. So as we put it all together, what have we just said? We said that, that knowing God is of utmost importance. We've said that knowing God allows us to be sanctified and it saves people and God's word goes out history ahead. So what are we building our lives on today? What are you personally building your life on today? Is it your job? Is it a retirement plan? Is it God's word? Are you listening to the words that will equip you to love God and help his church to flourish? Or are you listening to other words that lead you to run in fear, to sell all that you have and then hunker down in some wilderness? Many of us have a desire to build our lives on God's word, but why is it so hard to do this? Why does it seem like, me? I, I want to do this. I know that God's word is the right thing for me to read. I know that God's word is what I need to live how God wants me to live, but why do I have such a small desire sometimes to want to do that? The answer is, Christian or not, there's still something in us that wants to live apart from God. There's something in us that believes that we will find something greater in the other words that are out there, something that will satisfy us more. You might think you are alone on this, but this has been the case from the beginning of time. Our desires to search for other words apart from God's words goes back to the Garden of Eden. Our first parents, Adam and Eve, had a choice of who to listen to. God set them up in a garden. Everything was perfect. There was no sin. They had each other. They had beauty all around them. They had food, and they were cared for, and it was a perfect environment. And God said, please don't eat of this one tree over here. And those were his words to them. And guess what? They listened to other words as well, didn't they? Satan comes along and he tells them something different. Did God say that? And you know how the story goes. Our first parents, they, they listened to those other words. They, they, they believed that something was more satisfying in those other things that were being said than what God told them out of love and of care for them. And they went off and did their own thing. And from that time on, we have been listening to other words as well. We've been thinking that maybe God's words aren't what we need. Maybe he's holding back on us. Maybe there's something out there that I need to listen to that is better than right here. Since that day, we've been searching for other voices and other words apart from God's to build our lives on. So what needs to change in order for us to believe that God's word is the best? I'm glad you asked. 
Just as God's word was significant in creation and in the garden, so God's word is now significant in new creation as well. Genesis 1 says that God spoke and things came into existence and he used his words then to make things happen. And God's words um, are, are spoken today to us to make us new creations as well. I'm going to read 1 John, or John 1, 1 through 3, and a little bit more in there. Check this out. This is in John. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and all things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. I'm going to jump to verse 9 in, in John, John 1. The true light, which gives life to everyone, was coming into the world, he, Jesus, was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and in his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word, that's what we've been talking about, became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son of the Father, full of grace and truth. And it ends like this, for from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace, for the law was given through Moses, but grace, church, Jesus is the word that makes all things, that made all things then, and he is the word that is making all things new now. Adam and Eve, when they, when they sinned in the garden, God didn't say, be gone, but, but he called out to them with his words. He said, Adam, where are you? And he calls out to us today too, where are you? How are you doing? What, what do we need? What, what, what needs to change in our hearts for both Adam and Eve and for us today? Jesus is the word that makes all things new. He is the better word from God that has the power to change us and equip us. Through, through Jesus, the better word, we get to know who God is. Know that a way has been made for us to become children of God and know how to be equipped in this life for ministry. God's word, the Bible declares that because of what Jesus has done through his life, death resurrection, and ascension, we can be forgiven of our sins and be able to live lives competent, ready for the work he has for us. He has the power to give us the desire for his word that we might cling to it and build our lives on it. So church, that's my desire for us today. How are we living in God's word? What is, our, what is your desire for God's word? And I want you to know this. Knowing that Jesus is the better word frees us from being deceived or distracted by all the words out there. And that's my prayer as we end here. I'm going to pray for us in just a second that we would know and believe that Jesus is word, that this book is the better word, and that, that we wouldn't have to try to like keep away all the other words that are, that are telling us different things about God, but that we would love this so much that, that would be enough to protect us and to help us to think rightly. So we get to build our lives on God's word. We have to cling to it for everything. This is why the early church built their lives on the word of God, and this is why we get to do the same today. Knowing how devoted Jesus is to his people and to his word frees us to devote ourselves to building our lives and our church on his word today. Devoting ourselves to God's word empowers us to live our lives for the flourishing of the church. And we're going to go into a time of um, communion, a time of response. And I just want us to sit here and think, not, not guiltily saying, man, when was the last time I read God's word and to feel like crap? But to say, God, help me believe that this is what I need. Help me to believe that, that you, the God of the universe, speak through this book and through it have the power to change me, to live dif differently, that it, would, that it would help us to, to, to thrive in our church, that we would have a desire for this for our friends. Um, you can take communion in a second. Um, I'm going to pray. The band will come up. You, you guys can come up now if you want to. 
But um, I'm going to pray, and you're welcome to take communion. Um, the juice there represents the blood that Jesus shed for us, and the, the tightly fit-in cracker or wafer that tastes so horrible represents the, the body of Jesus that was broken for us. And, and as you sit there, there will be some questions on the screen for us today, and I hope that even though this message might sound like, oh, God's word again, please take it to heart. Please ask God what he wants you to know from this time. God, thanks for this day. Thanks for this church. Thanks for who you have here today. And it's not an accident that we are going through this sermon series. It's not an accident that we are preaching from your word today, from 2 Timothy and from Acts 2, and, and hearing how your word equipped the early church for ministry and how they devoted themselves to it, and that we are invited into that same um, opportunity today. God, for this church and for myself, let us love your word. Let us see the power behind it, and that's you working through it to change us and to change our world to be more like you. Let us cling to it. Give us the desire to want to do this, and I pray this in your name. Amen.